Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Progressive Patriots podcast. Uh, my apologies. Uh, this is pretty dated. <laughs> well, at the speed that things are moving these days, it's dated, even though it was only a few days ago. Regardless, I do have some other things that I'll be cutting in, so they'll be from Tasha because she couldn't join us uh, when we recorded, so that'll be kind of fun. All right, here we go. Like in the military, you think of a leader, or at least I'll speak for myself, I think of a leader as being the person who says, uh, the buck stops here, and I am the person who, you know, will make the hard call and do do the uh, do the difficult right thing over the easy wrong thing um, and take the flack for it if, if things don't go well. Whereas with the Republicans, it seems more like, you know, their their job isn't even to draw fire. It's just to, you know, be the deflector in chief and stoke whatever just like the insubstantial culture war uh, talking point of the day is. Their job is to find a creative new way or really to surround themselves with, you know, consultants and focus groups uh, to tell them what the most compelling and inflammatory way to blame other people for their problems are in a given week, <laughs> you know, yeah, which is fucked up. Like <laughs> they, they, they're at the, the height of leadership in our government and the overwhelming majority of their time and energy get spent uh doing things that are run completely opposite to the way that you know i was trained uh, a leader is supposed to conduct themselves as as somebody who is a a selfless servant to the people that are under them do, do you all know uh jj did tie buckle of course you, yeah that's that's what a leader is right uh and i, I think uh maybe if they took that acronym um to heart so this this sounds like a marine thing. So I was I was army. I don't know what this is. Yeah, I, I, I think I've heard it before. But fourteen I don't, I, leadership I, traits. That's it. Just yeah. different fourteen particular things that you should try to embody as a leader. Justice, yeah, I, judgment, dependability. I don't, I don't remember all the rest of them. Integrity, uh, decisiveness, tact, initiative, endurance, bearing, unselfishness, courage, knowledge, loyalty, enthusiasm. Um, I should say, I do remember that by heart for the most part, but I do have it up as well. So I'm like half cheating. I usually keep it around. <laughs> yeah. Pre-pandemic, I had them at my desk. Uh, are, yeah. are we recording? Oh, it could be. Yeah, I'm good whenever. So uh, it sounded like we already were. No, no, we were. Uh, Derek was just riffing, but it was good. Um, yeah, it was good stuff. Should have had that. Had it rolling. So. It's difficult to know how to start this because of the what the situation Derek we, you and I were talking about this just before Bryson came on the situation in Gaza is escalating uh, it's getting worse and worse by the minute um, it's a t pretty much a complete information blackout there there's no communications going out as far as I know uh, there I have seen that there has been a lot of international calls to Israel to show some restraint at least let us tend to the civilians who have nothing to do with this 
And Israel pretty much told them to eat shit. We're gonna do what we want. Yeah. Mm. So as much as I, I don't know how to bring levity to a situation like that. I don't even think that you can. I, yeah. I mean, I don't think it would be particularly desirable to. Yeah, no, that's it's, you know, like it's there's enough fucking edge lords out there on the right. Like, I don't think it's particularly compelling or cute. No, it's not funny. There's nothing funny about this. Yeah. There, as much as I try to be an eternal optimist, always trying to see the silver lining of things, I don't see any here. No. So, like, with that very somber note, um, we're going to keep our focus today on U.S. domestic issues. I deliberately kept Israel-Palestine news as out of this as much as I could. Yeah. That... That's a, a topic that deserves more attention, undivided attention. So, so let's get into American news. Um, to, to begin, this is a pro the Progressive Patriots. My name is Leo. You might know me from other Lux Media shows. I'm joined today by Derek and Bryson, who graciously gave up their Friday evenings to join me here. Oh my goodness, we are recording. It is presently just after 1800 Arizona time on Friday, October 27th. So, like I said, things are escalating really quickly. Things are moving really quickly. I know the first thing that we're going to be talking about is the Speaker of the House, the new Speaker, Mike Johnson. He has made it clear that he is going to be moving pretty... He has an aggressive schedule laid out to try and get things going um, in light of all of the crises that we're having at the moment. Um, so there was a bunch of shit that happened with um, votes for Jim Jordan. He had like three votes. He It got worse and worse for him every time. So like fucking rest in piss. I don't care. Uh, Mike Johnson. I had found a lot of interesting things about this guy. Oh, he's a, re a Republican. No kidding. Out of Louisiana. Uh, um, he was a freedom lawyer, a religious freedom lawyer. I have freedom here in quotations because it wasn't anything about freedom. It's taking freedom from other people. He def there was a same-sex marriage ban in Louisiana that he defended. In um, He also argued it to the level of the Supreme Court twice. So in his words, I am a Christian, a husband, a father, a lifelong conservative, constitutional law attorney and small business owner in that order wow that is oh, quite the order <laughs> yeah it's quite a list of things i mean i, I would have at least put husband over christian that's just me i would have probably put father over everything oh yeah i guess that's no a father slash husband like i'm a family man that's yeah yeah, I, if I was him, I probably would have put something like neo-fascist, probably <laughs> tucked, tucked in there somewhere too. Oh, you know? neo-fascist. Is that like a theocratic fascism? Is that what it is? is the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the I mean, it's, Judeo it's 100 percent the guy's agenda. Yeah, which absolutely. I mean, uh, it really feels kind of like we're just playing a cup game where, like, underneath each cup, it's just another progressively shittier fascist and really like I, 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 it, I struggle to even like take any kind of solace in this clown taking over the speakership over say Jim Jordan yeah because it's it's become just abundantly clear to me that the house GOP strategy 
a, it makes it completely irrelevant who the speaker is. It actually makes it actually irrelevant whether or not they even have a speaker, because the whole name of the game at this point is uh, to prevent the function of the Republic. They don't want the government to work. They run on not wanting the government to work for the few moments out of out of their term that they do have the government working. Their primary order of business is to force government shutdowns and to just try and make things as painful for working class Americans as they possibly can. It's it's their entire uh, it's their entire policy package rolled into one. They don't have to pass any laws to be destructive. They know that. So that's exactly what they're doing. So if they can waste time uh, in the pageantry of a speaker vote or 13 speaker votes for the same guy, <laughs> then they're going to, you know, because for them, the, the name of the game is run down the clock. Yeah. Yeah. And, but they don't hesitate to take uh, credit for things that the, the crooked, uh, immoral left does like uh, infrastructure projects, for example, that happened under Biden's uh, Inflation Reduction Act. So he made it a point that at the like at the construction site or the work sites for all of them, it says this project is brought to you by Joe Biden and the infrastructure or in and the uh, infrastructure plan and the Inflation Reduction Act. Can't have a uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene standing in front of some ribbon cutting, pretending like I, she did something. As as much as I like to. I feel like it's kind of a baller move, him putting his name on those things. But at the same time, I think we got to recognize that it wasn't just the president that- Oh, of course not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many people. I mean, even within common defense, you know, there are people that, you know, contributed to that kind of thing. Uh, Let's move down a little bit more of Mr. Johnson's accolades here. I'm not entirely certain what the legal significance of this phrase is, but- uh, it came up quite a few times that he signed an amicus brief. That happened. He did that a couple times, but in this yeah. So I I can speak to that a little bit. Okay. Um, an an amicus brief, and now everybody knows attorneys love Latin. Amicus basically <laughs> yeah. means yeah, basically means like friendly or friend. It's it's uh it's basically somebody submitting their opinion mm. on an item before the court as as a friend of the court. And typically, they will do some of the footwork or some of the research or present their proposal for how they think that a court ought to decide in in a given matter. And you don't have to be an attorney to present one. Uh, You know, any of you could be amica curiae uh, for any particular matter. Now, there are procedures and everything that that go into that. Into submitting um, it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's got to go through all the all the due process and procedures, mm-hmm. and have the forms correct, and have uh, you know somebody the actually bureaucracy of it. Sure, yeah, and, and the things that apply to that are similar to pretty much any any court proceeding. Yeah, like you have to certify that, to the best of your knowledge, everything that you're submitting to the court is is true and factual. Um, and if it's found that you submit any of that with uh, you know any kind of malintent or in bad faith, knowing that it was not accurate, then uh, it can result in some punishments. Uh, typically, those are reserved for the attorney that's kind of co-signing on it. So it's it's uh, you know it's a uh, incumbent upon the attorney to review to, it first. Yeah, to review it and make sure. And, and you know, as this kind of relates to the um, the many many cases that uh, were submitted following the 2020 election. Uh, many of which were thrown out. A lot of these attorneys, like uh, Rudy Giuliani, for example, 
that did actually get punished by their um, they or had various types of sanctions from their local or from their state bar associations. Those are the ones who are responsible for ensuring like the ethics Lawyer, of lawyer attorney. licensing. Yeah, it's it's uh, attorney licensing um, conducted on a state by state basis. It takes a lot for you to get disbarred <laughs> yeah. from from, you know, because when somebody submits a bar complaint against you, there is a whole host of different things that a judge can do when reviewing that when they find wrongdoing. Typically, uh, they're going to require like remedial training, essentially, <laughs> if you do things that are unethical. They can, and, and much more frequently than disbarment, they will actually order that uh, an attorney who, you know, acts unprofessionally or in bad faith, they will find them and have them go to make them actually like sit in on law school ethics classes, you know, at the back of the class might, might as well have like a dunce cap on <laughs> telling them like, you got to go back to school, yeah, driving go back school. to law school, sit, sit with all of these, uh, one L pre uh, attorney attorneys in training. Um, and remember, remember what it means to be an attorney. You know, and if it's, you know, repeated and egregious failures of following civil or criminal criminal procedure, then they might have to sit in on a CIPRO class. But yeah, it typically there is not like any kind of uh, strong weight to an amicus brief. Uh, there's often kind of like a political political undertone to it. You know, if you are, especially if you're one of these like uh, lawyer politicians, like yeah, your like, like your Ted guy. Cruz's and your Jim Jordans and and you know, this clown Mike Johnson, that is a common way for them to kind of grandstand and really put their, mm, uh, yeah, it, exactly, to to really put their name out there and sort of like uh, an opportunity for them to generate red meat again for this audience of uh, a base that does not have legal literacy like they don't know what the fuck an amicus brief is right. they just see all right my guy put his name on a thing that now has my state supreme court or the u.s supreme court's heading on it that makes it seem legitimate that makes it seem Must real be important. that makes it seem yeah exactly so um, his amicus briefs that i i mentioned that he said that he argued ending the like the marriage equality in the U.S. at the federal level. He argued it twice, 2004 and 2014. But at one point, I want to say 2004, he had tried to make it to criminalize it. So it's not just you can't get married, it's you can't be gay. Oh, so that's one of the great things that this man has done. Uh, he Another amicus brief was to throw out Pennsylvania's 2020 election results. So just disenfranchise the entire state of Pennsylvania because I don't like the outcome. In 2022, yeah. a bill, he put out a bill to ban school. It's the, Flor the Florida thing, like what do they call it? The don't say gay or whatever, where teachers aren't allowed to use gender affirming language for trans kids or to discuss sexuality in any way. Yeah, these free speech cats are shockingly scared of words. Yeah. It's so surprising. Yeah, it's really fun. Is that also banning, like, gender-affirming language to hetero or, or cis uh, children? <laughs> I bet you it doesn't. Like, 
Because, I mean, if you're going to ban it for some people, um, you might as well just make it right. where you can't do any of it, right? But, well, like, that's exactly a thing, right, Bryson? Like, it's... It's <laughs> it's banned yeah, for it's... trans kids, not for straight kids or, like, cis-hetero kids. Yeah. They get right. to be boys, boys and girls, but, like, a trans kid can't be a girl or a boy if that's what they feel they are because he's an asshole. The Dobbs decision, that's when Roe v. Wade was overturned, right? Yes, okay. that's correct. So, so Dobbs is now the prevailing precedent. Yes. The law of the land. Uh, and Roe v. Wade no longer is. And uh, basically what that does now is it says that... Uh, no federal protections. Are, yeah, there are, there are essentially no presumed federal protections for, you know, the providence of, of uh, abortion care. Um, and essentially it punted that decision to whatever the law of the land, be that a prevailing state Supreme Court decision or a state appellate court decision, or right. if the state happened to have a valid law on the books. Many states, because there had been so much time that passed since Roe v. They v. had Wade, the trigger laws yeah, ready, right? They, they either had trigger laws already ready to go in red states or in some states uh, that were blue, purple, or, or maybe just not as focused on that particular issue. Yeah, yeah. So that's something we have uh, going on. Uh, I'm calling in from Arizona right now. Yes. So we got that coming. For up. us, we had we had this whole big debate actually uh, have to get settled in court relatively quickly following the Dobbs decision because there were conflicting laws that were on the books. Some of it went all the way back to our territorial time, 1864. Um, Are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah, pre pre statehood. Um, yeah. And then there were other ones that that had come about the. Uh, Ducey, uh, Republican trifecta legislature. And then at the same time, you know, that that took place after we elected a Democratic governor and a Democratic AG. So uh, it was actually a really interesting showdown to see multiple different laws come into conflict with administrations that would be unwilling to or at least be within uh, within their purview to decide whether or not they actually wanted to enforce those laws. And there are showdowns like that happening all over the country, uh, yeah. which is part of the reason why it's so important to push for federal protection that is codified into law, which right. means Congress needs to Voting pass. Yep. Yeah, they need to take, take all of the uh, presumed law that we got from Roe v. Wade, just as a court decision, uh, turn that into language that can be uh, codified into federal code and then pass that through uh, both chambers of the legislature and Congress and then get that passed by President Biden. That is the only thing to stop us from having to have this ping pong game of, uh, you know, whenever one court decides one way yeah. or one state passes its laws one way or another and really bring the United States of America back into the modern era. We um, talked about that on our first, I think our first episode, uh, mm -hmm. where Idaho had a situation like this recently where they had a a complete abortion ban. The only exception was saving the mother's life, and that's where the federal court or the federal government sued Idaho because like the um federal like emergency care kind of law, I don't remember the acronym, but you, like doctors are required to do what they can to save someone's life. And so the US argued that if terminating a pregnancy is what is required then you have to do that and idaho and uh idaho appealed it and the appeals panel said the law does not specify 
abortion. So it doesn't matter. That was their argument. That that word is not in it. So who cares? Um, he So anyway, Mike Johnson referred to this Dobbs decision as a great and joyous occasion. He opposes aid to Ukraine, but not to Israel. Uh, he opposes divorce, no-fault divorces, and wants to make covenant marriage the, the thing. Uh, cannabis is a gateway drug. Hold on. What? Sorry. What's covenant marriage? What is this? Oh, my God. This is this is a really interesting topic. I've so it, so this is this is like kind of on the farther right fringes of evangelical the Christian. Yeah, the religious nuts. Yeah, this is so uh, the idea here um, and, and you can actually you can look up and see Mike Johnson uh, proselytizing about this at some length. He is a culture warrior of of the variety who basically like his whole his whole billy may's song and dance is that the reason why there are problems in our country (laughs) is because (laughs) is is because uh basically we we have an immoral country and really the the there is no reason for us to have policy solutions for anything there's no reason for us to invest in things like infrastructure or healthcare or education or anything like that really the reason why we have things like uh, school shootings or something to that nature is uh, has nothing to do with access to firearms, has nothing to do with poverty, has nothing to do with mental health care, has nothing to do with, you know, all of these diseases of despair that are externalities of poverty. All of it comes back to, uh, well, if the kid had two straight, white, blue-eyed parents if he had Jesus uh, in who his were life. taking them to church every Sunday... Uh, then they wouldn't have all these bad thoughts in their head and, you know, they wouldn't go out and do these terrible things. It's extremely reductive and is part of a larger war on women, too. You know, when mm-hmm. we talk about getting rid of uh, a no-fault marriage, basically what that means is if somebody wants to leave a marriage, uh, then they need to win that case in court. And what what, what ends up being the result of that most of the people that are leaving marriages in cases of uh, abuse, sexual assault, uh, exploitation of their labor, uh, autonomy of their body, overwhelmingly women. So, you know, they can treat this as though it's a completely gender neutral policy, saying that it's really about protecting the institution of marriage. But this is the same same uh, type of argument that they have advanced for decades to try and uh, exclude gay couples from being able to get into marriage, right? To exclude them from the tax benefits and from the uh, legal benefits of being in a legally recognized union. You know, the the idea is to uh, consolidate that power and make sure that it is only available for men, essentially, uh, in in that equation. So, um, yeah. Really, really gross stuff. Very like authoritarian, theocratic. Um, Jeez. It, and it ends up like really genuinely hurting people. You know, it, just adding that additional uh, financial barrier to getting out of a marriage, you know, takes away a lot of your rights. And in a lot of these states, like uh, I believe he hails from Louisiana, yes. which is one of like the most <clears throat> backwards, regressive states. Sad to say, in terms of policy, 
the end result is you have uh, a lot of women who have no economic means to get out of these abusive relationships and they don't have the means to uh, fight it in court and they don't have protections from state and civil state criminal and civil law to pre prevent them from being abused and exploited by their spouses so and very I'm, sick shit and i'm Jeez. sure that like you said this is keeping women who are stuck in like domestic violence abusive possibly rape situations they have to stay there because they can't leave they don't have the money to leave they don't have legal protection to leave and this guy's also the type to act to want to not have you know the, what they call them red flag laws for uh, firearm purchases so like if somebody who is a, a is on the books as a domestic abuser well that's not going to be a preventative anymore for them from them getting a gun and sorry wife you're just a woman so who cares you can die it's yeah. fine i mean it all comes back to a philosophy that does not see women as co-equal people right and frankly does not see people as co-equal just as a baseline <laughs> you know the kind of like the uh viral mike johnson quote uh that has been running rampant over the last few days uh is about him positing that every woman in this country owes to their country uh, an able-bodied worker. You know, <laughs> this, the, yeah, seriously. Yeah, I remember. No, that. this, this is like fucking uh, Handmaiden's Tale dystopian bullshit. Yeah. But this guy is a real person, oh. and not only is he a real person, he's one one uh, one step removed from one the or, presidency. One or two fucking octogenarian arteries close sometime over the course of the next uh, year and a half and this dude's in line for the presidency like it's it's a big fucking deal yeah <laughs> it is really gilead type of stuff yeah no it's it's completely beyond the pale and, and like let's let's like let's like look at the language there he's not talking about people he's not talking about americans he's not talking about human beings with agency he's saying workers He's saying people as as uh, commodified units yeah. for the exploitation of capital owners. So uh, I know this is going to be the second time I've brought up uh, Joseph Goebbels on this podcast. <laughs> it is. I'm sure it won't, it won't be. It won't. That is quite the phrase. <laughs> it, it's not going to be the last time. Either, Probably but, not. Um, and it's going to be the same speech that I, I bring up this time. Um he had his first speech as propaganda minister of Germany was it was called German women. It was all about how men need to stay men, women need to stay women. But if I remember right, it talked about how these German women need to go produce children that can that, that can work in the country and go fight yeah. for their their beliefs. True just, Aryan children. Yeah, it just blows my mind that like yeah they're not Nazis but they're playing out of the exact same playbook the exact same like literally they're probably just going through each speech and be like all right it's well a fucking mad yeah well exactly. that's right because it's not actually about the political party like there is not there is not something unique to the color swatches and textures of nazism mm -hmm. uh that are really meaningfully distinctive from any other kind of fascist authoritarian exploitation they're they are playing from the same book because they've got the same goals and they're 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 attempting to achieve them through the same means they need people angry at one another they need them poorly educated and they need them desperate in order to do it 
And if you look at the policy program of House Republicans, that matches up with it perfectly. They don't want a government that works. They want people to be pissed off and they want people to be confused and they want people to be at one another's throats because those are the conditions that you need uh, in order to keep people in a constant state of just kind of muddled, confused anger, asking for somebody to tell them who, who they can direct their anger at to make shit get better. And that's what they're really good at. They're really good at saying, you know, uh, if only we could focus all of our frustration on whatever this big bad of the day is, whatever this October surprise is, right right before election. Usually it's scapegoated uh, in the form of a minority group, whether they're, uh, it's an immigrant caravan this time, or if it's, <laughs> you know, trans people invading your bathrooms, or, you know, yeah, name your boogeyman. Like it's it's a different one every time, but really the cast isn't that big. They just keep them on on uh, rotation. They're not serious people. They're not actually trying to govern. They're not playing the same game that we are. So uh, let me just read this one part of the speech, right? Uh, so the first best and most suitable place for the woman is in the family and her most glorious duty is to give children to her people and nation. Children who can continue the line of generations and who can guarantee the immortality of the nation. So literally this dude is saying the exact same thing as Joseph Goebbels, like down to the T. Yeah. That's an, a, a quote from actually from Johnson himself was uh, during when Trump tried to do the Muslim ban from the shithole countries, as he put it. Um, Mike Johnson said, this is not an effort to ban any religion, but rather an effort to adequately protect our homeland. Wow. That's... There's... And what the fuck is our homeland? Right. That... Like we're at, we're we are on occupied land right now. Yes. All of us. This is all occupied land. Um, let's keep going here on Mike Johnson. Quick note: climate change denier, to the surprise of no one. But something that I found that was completely unrelated is that his biggest donor is the fossil fuel industry. It's completely oh unrelated. God. Say it in so yeah that can't be right, Leo. No. Go back and check the notes again. I gotta double check I don't, myself on I don't, that. I don't I don't believe you. I just I just got a bingo. Like it's <laughs> um so here's another fun one is he's an advocate for term limits on federal legislators and his quote his first quote when he first got elected I promise I pledge that as a member of Congress I will co-sponsor and vote for the US term limits amendment of three house terms. On a completely unrelated note, he's currently in his fourth term. Which again, like if we're playing playing a game where like the goal is to run the country in in the form of a representative democratic republic, that makes absolutely no fucking sense, right? Right. However, if we're playing a different game and the goal is for none of this shit to work and for money to have as much influence on policy outcomes or the lack thereof, then it actually makes perfect sense. Because I, on my own journey, there was a time where I was like, man, there should be term limits. Why do we have like the same people in power forever and ever? And there's some, there's some wisdom to that too, right? Like they, you see some of these people who are in power and Einstein. appear to be doing the job for <laughs> Einstein, for example. <laughs> Uh, the original speaker of the house no the uh <laughs> but so so the the idea seems like facially rational it's like we the problem is uh we just have these politicians who are huge pieces of shit 
and they stick around too long and they don't fix stuff and they're bought and sold. We don't want them, we don't need them. So in theory, if we just had term limits, then the churn would be high enough that eventually we would have a good representative body. That could be true if and only if we did not work within the confines of a system where unlimited campaign spending has a bigger outcome on what policy gets passed or what what dies in committee or what doesn't even make it to committee uh, than any kind of deliberative process, than any kind of public opinion, than any kind of uh, public outcry about policy decisions. All this does in a system where money has that outsized of an effect and has ever since the Citizen United uh, decision, uh, which, which effectively allowed that, all that does is just make it cheaper to buy legislators. Because now, now the lobbyists and the industry uh, and, and these like political wants to start their own ethno-state lunatics, now uh, the cost of them getting across the finish line or getting in front of a legislator is a much cheaper campaign donation because they you, you don't have these vip guys like i don't know mcconnell yeah rest in peace diane feinstein you know yeah uh, or or mitch mcconnell on the right like those guys uh, are problematic in their own way but having these elder statesmen these senior lawmakers who do collect more experience and do gather more of their own clouts and alliances and promises and commitments and all these backroom politicking type things that that need to happen in order to build consensus all that goes out out the wayside because you effectively go into a state of uh eternal campaign season and everybody's a freshman everybody's a new face and it just becomes a career stepping stone for these guys to go into the lobby as many of them already do anyway. Wouldn't the PACs, so, the like the super PACs who float all of these who float these campaigns, couldn't they just they would be become the the actual legislators cuz they're just going to roll through tr uh clones of whoever's going to do the dance they want them to do, who's going to sign yeah. the shit that they want them to sign. And here you go, here's a shitload of money, just do just do whatever the fuck we say. And you don't and have, that, that's you exactly don't have it. to actually do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do it at the same time just playing devil's advocate because i'm not saying i disagree with a lot of what y'all are saying with a higher turnover rate wouldn't there be more of a chance that an actual like actually ethical person gets through and is like oh wait a minute look at what these people are doing like i feel like that would be the only saving grace that some, some that one like, might rise up. yeah 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 that's that's all i can think of but I'm yes. gonna cry now, when Bernie Sanders I, I dies. Only, I only think that that is okay. possible downstream of a system where uh, it's not so pay-to-play already to start. Yeah. Um, I think term limits in in a vacuum are useless. I think term limits in a system where, yeah. let's say, we completely completely turn the campaign finance system on its head. Let Let's say, um, it it all of a sudden becomes only a. Uh, ballot collection game public funding uh, and that is with and that is the limits. only thing that you can raise raise funds for is basically to get your to get signatures to get your name on the ballot to run for office and then when you get to campaign season itself uh campaigns are completely publicly funded and they're only allowed to take place up to let's say 90 days before the election so you can't run ads 
you can't run uh, fundraiser events. You can't uh, take meetings with super PACs. You, can, you can't even have PACs, let's say. Get rid of that structure altogether. You know, completely start start over from square one and say, okay, a congressional campaign costs a million dollars. And if you can get enough uh, signatures to get across the finish line for you to be the guy that, that makes it to the general election, um, you get a million dollars to do it. You can only do it over the course of three months or, or six months or however long. The thing is, when you have a term that is two years long and you have absolutely no limit on when campaign season starts, then you can have a two limit term and spend the entire two years just campaigning for the next term. Yeah. Your job becomes campaigning and there's no time to legislate and there's not really any incentive for you to try to legislate unless your party happens to hold the super majority of, of, the, uh, of the body to which you happen to have been elected. Legislators right now have very, very little incentive to actually try and uh, debate and legislate and do all of these things that Schoolhouse Rock teaches us Congress does. <laughs> they have all of the incentive uh, to drum up these culture war issues, go to speaking engagements, and try to raise as much money as they possibly can. Because the only thing keeping them in office over anybody else is how much money they have in their coffers. And there's no limit to how much they can get. So, you know, time being zero sum, uh, the one thing that they can do to feel like they're actually doing something to help is raise money. <laughs> and that's fucked up because raising money doesn't actually fix anything. We don't hire them to raise money. We hire them to fix shit. In fact, we give them money in the hope that they will <laughs> then go in and fix shit. Yeah. And then what they do with that money is they buy campaign ads <laughs> so that they can raise more money. <laughs> It's a, it's a, a fucking a robberous snake eating its own tail, you know? Yeah. Everything's fine. <laughs> that, that's the meme that just keeps popping up for me. The fire, <laughs> I'm having a coffee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last thing on Mike Johnson. Uh, he has a nickname from Matt Gates. That's not the kind of person that I would want to be close enough to give me a nickname. He's called Maga Mike. We are going to take a really quick break. And we're going to hear from Tasha, uh, her thoughts on Mike Johnson. And then we'll come back to some more shenanigans in Congress. The new House Speaker is Congressman Mike Johnson, a hard right-leaning legal warrior, Donald Trump ally, turned little-known legislator from the state of Louisiana. Johnson is a deeply religious man, a 51-year-old father of four, who has been involved in electoral politics for less than nine years, has been in Washington for roughly two. Johnson was part of Trump's inner circle. He traveled regularly with Donald Trump on Air Force One while he was president. Johnson drafted a way for GOP lawmakers to support President Donald Trump's belief that the 2020 election was stolen from him. Basically, Johnson argued that some states' governors took it upon themselves rather than relying on state legislators, to change the balloting procedures because of the pandemic. His argument was that this was unconstitutional, and his logic was widely spread by Republican lawmakers. He considers himself to be a constitutional textualist. And as a member of the House Judiciary Committee, Johnson was one of Trump's fiercest defenders in his impeachment hearings, leading Trump to include him, Johnson, and his defense team for the Senate impeachment trials in which Trump was acquitted. Johnson was very eager to back the nomination for Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett. 
She has been a friend of his ever since 1988. This is why it's important to rally and support the Black vote. Johnson was elected in 2015 unopposed in a special election to the Louisiana House of Representatives, serving parts of two incomplete terms. And in 2016, he was elected in a runoff to represent Louisiana's 4th District in the United States House of Representatives. Johnson's 4th Congressional District covers 750 precincts in 14 Louisiana parishes. This includes the city of Shreveport, Bossier City, Minden, Nacogdoches, and D-Rider, parishes with the high Black population. He's been easily reelected since he faces no opposition. As a lawyer for the Alliance Defense Fund, the precursor to the Alliance Defending Freedom, Johnson wrote editorials for his local newspaper that called homosexuality inherently unnatural. He stated, and I quote, your race, creed, and sex are what make you, while homosexuality and cross-dressing are things you do. This is a free country, but we don't give special permissions or protections for every person's bizarre choices. He is the least experienced Speaker of the House in 140 years, and the fourth nominee for the job after the ousting of Kevin McCarthy. Johnson and his wife appeared on ABC's Good Morning America to support Louisiana's newly passed marriage covenant law, which legally made it difficult for divorce to happen. Conservative Christians in the late 90s thought divorces had become too far too frequent under permissive procedures, and they sought to legally tighten those procedures, which is exactly what the marriage covenant law did. It would contractually bind newly married couples who agreed to seek counseling to be separated for a couple of years before the divorce being final. Louisiana was the first state to turn this proposal into law, and Johnson and his wife were amongst the first couples to marry under the covenant marriage rules. Now, throughout his career, he has authored several bills, many of which restrict abortion access. This included the Unworn Child Protection from Dismemberment Abortions Act and the Second Chance at Life Act, rewarding reverse medical abortions and the Protection of Unborn Act, Attorney General Bobby Caldwell contracted Johnson specifically to defend the state's restrictive anti-abortion laws. In October, Johnson filed Stop the Sexualization of Children Act of 2022, which is co-sponsored by 32 other Republicans. The bill prohibits federal funding for any sexually oriented event or materials for children under the age of 10. Critics now call the measure the federal don't say gay bill. He opposes the legalization of marijuana, even medical marijuana, having called it a gateway drug. In 2017, Johnson supported Trump's Muslim ban executive order, which restricted travel to the U.S. from seven predominantly Muslim countries. He was among a vast majority of lawmakers who voted to discourage the state's law enforcement and government agencies from working with the Council on American-Islamic Relations, a Muslim civil rights organization. He said the effort was aimed against people who believed in the Islamic faith, but he was simply about opposing terrorism. Johnson is a climate science skeptic, raking in more campaign money and cash in his congressional career from the oil and gas industry than any other industry, and he's repeatedly downplayed climate change. This is just a snapshot of the power this man has. 
as a vice chair of the majority Republican conference, Johnson is now the fifth highest ranking GOP House leader. Johnson also gets a seat on the House Steering Committee, whose members choose the chairs and members of the various committees that schedule and vet legislative proposals. Johnson said, the reason why I work so hard to be at leadership tables is because I want to help develop what the overall message is. If you're not at the leadership table, you pretty much have to be a team player and go along with it, he said. The reason why it's so important for Common Defense to get our message out is because Johnson's job as a vice chair is to amplify a unified Republican message. He presses members to give speeches, then helps them turn those speeches into a platform that can play on legal television news back home or in a newspaper's op-ed. Johnson laid out his worldview in a candid talk with Fox's Sean Hannity which is rooted in Bible-based principles. As a hard, right-leaning conservative lawyer, his career consists of fighting against gay rights and demonstrating opposition to all abortion rights while vowing that he could change the House rules to make it harder to remove him as Speaker. I think people need to really understand what's happening here. Republicans have set the tone for what they're about to do next should they win the House and the Senate and the presidential election come 2024. This is about to get ugly. There's a lot at stake here. And we're back. Moving on. George Santos, really quickly. Um, his... I like that LOL. <laughs> yeah, because, like, is that is that your real name? <laughs> we don't even know. So they made the Republicans out of New York. They made a privileged motion, which, from what I've read, means that they have to vote on it. It can't not be voted, brought to the floor um, to expel George Santos. Um, all of his cohorts, uh, Desposito, La Loda, Molinaro, and Lawler, uh, and, the, and others as well. But these four from New York were the ones that stood up for it. All Republicans. And in their joint yeah. statement was, George Santos is not fit to serve his constituents as a United States representative. Oh, it's got chills. Yeah. Um, to which, Mr. Santos, if that is his real name, his response on Twitter, I'm not calling it X, it was three points of clarification. One, I have not cleared out my office. Two, I'm not resigning. Three, I'm entitled to due process and not a predetermined outcome as some are seeking. God bless. That bless. The God bless was fucking cheeky. <laughs> this dude like ran to be a meme like that's all he did and again like this comes back to a lot of the factors that we're talking about like so playing devil's advocate to your devil's advocate bryson in a system where uh there are there there's less incumbency right there are fewer people who uh can have long-running tenure and have a strategic vision for their time in Congress beyond, let's say, four years or six years or however many terms that ends up being. Uh, it does spin the door a little bit faster. It does get people in and out a little bit more quickly. There is more churn, uh, but with it being a position that's higher churn, it makes it more accessible and more appealing to people who are opportunists. And it makes it easier for people who are getting in on 
abject bullshit, frankly, <laughs> to not get vetted. Because the thing about uh, this clown is he got in and he's very likely not going to win again. I mean, I haven't looked at like the Cook political index of his district in a little while. I haven't uh, seen polling about how popular he is in his district. I would imagine he's probably not super popular, especially since he's a Republican in New York. He's probably already just generally not very popular. The type of Republican that gets elected in New York uh, has a policy platform pretty similar to like a Democrat that gets elected in rural Arizona or rural Louisiana or, or what have yeah. you. It happens and it's possible but these are guys that run much more close to the middle of the track and really have to run on kind of like uh, kitchen table issues with like very inoffensive unity language. Right. You don't typically get like iconoclast type figures that are MTG. highly polarizing. And yeah, you know, M MTG can run in her district as she runs. In perpetuity. Because... Yeah, in perpetuity, because it, it it she's actually a pretty good reflection of like the largest voting block of people in that district. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily not the case for Santos, you know. Um, there's a lot about him that I don't know because most of what I have learned about him has apparently been fabricated. So yeah, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm willing to hold out the, the possibility that there, there are electoral realities I'm not aware of. Uh, in the Santos case, I would suspect based on, you know, the rest of his uh, Republican delegation in New York, kind of leaving him by the wayside. Again, these guys are mostly moderates for whatever passes for a moderate um, in the state of New York. Uh, you know, their, their, their main job is just to, you know, lick their finger and hold up their hand and see which way the wind is blowing. And then yeah. to follow that, they they do not have any incentive to be courageous in <laughs> in their their policy positions or or their statements or the stuff that they, you know, will commit their staff's time to drafting up and then publicizing. <laughs> I think all of those guys have, including Santos, they all have part of their district cuts into New York City. So that there's a contingent there that you have to appeal to. And it's a big group of people and so like you said you have to have more unifying language softer language even ditch the culture war bullshit and just talk finances really just pretty like running on like what a social libertarian or something i don't know what they call themselves but like socially well, liberal so i i lived in uh upstate new york for a little bit and there are certainly places where republicans run and are very successful and there's uh the two biggest issues that really jump like there are certain issues on the national stage that those republicans really cannot touch in new york like uh abortion access for example right. that is a losing issue for them nationwide it is also a losing issue for them by the way if you look at national polling <laughs> yeah, yeah it, is. Uh, it is an unpopular position um probably because it dehumanizes half of the fucking population of the country the Go planet figure. yeah well, yeah, the, the whole the whole human race, sure. Um, <laughs> crazy that it would be unpopular. Uh, it especially doesn't work in New York. Uh, there are a couple things that do work pretty well amongst the cultural conservative and economic conservative people in New York, and that is taxes are really high there. 
and uh, it's very difficult for them to get their hands on firearms. And they focus on those two things, like economics and kind of like a uh, good old boy, homegrown American conservatism, right. which is that, you know, I want to be able to take my 30 out six out to the woods and go shoot something. Just, just like God intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, George. I'm not sorry, George. I don't see where George fits into either of those. No, I'm no, just because I wanted to put a cap on it and move along to Mr. Jamal Bowman out of New York. Um, so he pled guilty to a misdemeanor. Uh, he pulled a false fire alarm. That's the, uh, the charge that he got. Um, his words were, what I did was against D.C. law. As I said from the very beginning, I was not trying to disrupt any congressional proceedings. I got to take responsibility for it, which I'm here to do. So kudos for that, I guess, but come on, dog. We know you were trying to delay some shit. Seemed pretty obvious, honestly. Yeah, it was. It was a, It was really obvious from the beginning. But, I mean, he took one for the team, if that's the case. I just think it's hilarious how, like, these the, the crime or the yeah the crimes uh some democrats pull obviously some of them are way worse but the ones that really get focused on got all these republicans doing these crazy things and then we got this guy that's like yeah i pulled a fire alarm like <laughs> all right shucks that bad. oops yeah. <laughs> it is like it's kind of <clears throat> jarring like the parody with which a story about a Democrat pulling a fire alarm to try and avoid a government shutdown. And like, you can call it a stunt. You can call it uh, unethical, immoral because it's against the law yeah. or whatever the fuck you can, you can call it all those things. Uh, the amount of media attention that it's going to get is going to be on par with, or less than, you know, Let's say I don't know Menendez. Matt Gates like having credible credible allegations of trafficking children across state lines to prostitute them, like the way that the media covers them is like, well, yeah, you know, this is this is just like the corner of the day where uh, we talk about naughty things that members of Congress do, and there's no like actual accounting for <laughs> like some of these things are objectively a lot more fucked up than others like jamal jamal bowman pulling a fire alarm <laughs> because in his in his moral assessment of what the fuck he as a member of the united states congress could do about the reality that a majority the republican majority of the united states congress is so politically cynical and vile that they're willing to let the government <laughs> shut down which results in schools going unfunded results in food coming off of people's tables results in uh you know disabled people not getting medical care like we're talking about like people's life support being having the plug pulled out from under it yeah that's what i was and about like, to say yeah and, and, and like we have to talk about well but uh no 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 but that fucking was, nothing that was that yeah. was illegal there was clearly a sign there that says no one shall step on Sergeant Major's grass and there he is <laughs> on the grass. So naughty naughty bad bad Jamal Bowman. See, 
Democrats also but the, also are, the rest are, of the are staff... trying to have a fucking coup. <laughs> the rest of the staff NCOs needed time to read the the, the commander's brief, and they didn't have. It's just they it's got just like five such... minutes, and they needed more time. <laughs> so I went to stand on Sergeant Major's bullshit. grass. I had to, somebody had to pull him away from the fucking table. I'm just, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure it, it comes across in my voice. I'm just so fucking sick and tired of the both sides, yeah, both this sides is, this narrative. Is nothing. This like, is this nothing. is, this is like both sides on crack. Like, we literally have one side that has committed itself to fucking overthrowing the government while they're like in control of half of it. But we have to talk about it as though, like, well, they're both, they're both not perfect, so they're both the same. And that's just not fucking true. It's 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 not rational for one, but it also isn't like in line with I don't know, hundreds of years of of like common law in the West that like some crimes are worse than others and deserve different punishments and different treatments and you know, and that like there are also things that in context, uh, although would ordinarily be criminal are not, in fact, criminal if they're done for very, very good reasons with extenuating circumstances. That's the whole reason why we have, like, trials by jury instead of just, like, a checkbox list right. where you can say, well, uh, was he, in fact, wearing white after Labor Day? Uh, well, okay, then the list that says, you know, 50 lashes, sorry, we got to do it, bud. Like, no, that's not, it's not rational, and it's not the way that I think any reasonable, serious person looks at the issue. Nothing, Bryson? You look like you were about to say something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm spent on that one. Yeah. I, uh, I don't got any more. Speaking of being spent, Perry Johnson suspends his campaign for president. Nice segue. Rest in peace. We hardly knew you. I seriously don't know. didn't know who that was. I don't know why that was on uh, Reuters, but it was. Hmm. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Well, as we are wont to do here on the Progressive Patriots, we were having a little bit too much fun and we ran a little bit too long. So I'm going to have to release this in two parts. But I do want to say thanks to Tasha. Thank you for sending in that uh, very good monologue. I think monologue is the right word. Uh, let's see. What do I got to say? Because the shit's over. Uh, network stuff is if you like uh, boxing, go check out the Lux Media show called B-Sides Boxing. If you're into MMA, Ultimate F and Casual. If you just want to hear like a slice of life kind of thing, you can check out the show me and my cousin do. It's called Hard Shell Tacos. All of these things you can find on the website, uh, lvxmedia.net. And there you'll see all the buttons for the different things that we're getting up to over here. Um, the social media handles are lvxmedianet on everything. If you can't find me, I'm not on it. And Common Defense, uh, I believe on Twitter is at Common Defense. On Instagram, Common underscore Defense. Uh, another group that I like, uh, Vets Forward, is uh, Vets uh, underscore FWD on Twitter. Uh, Vets FWD on Instagram. If you would like to get involved with either of these groups, you can go to lvx.at slash cdef that's lvx.at slash cdef that's for common defense 
If you want to get involved with Vets Forward, this is a more Arizona thing. But uh, lvx.at slash vfwd. Yeah, you see what I did there? That's pretty good. Contact options. If you want to reach out, um, you can hit the website. Uh, hit the Progressive Patriots button. There are two options there. You can email us. There's the email button and the phone number. It's uh, 833-589-7637. It's anonymous and unattended. I don't check it until we're about to record to see if I have anything. Uh, so the number, uh, it's 833-LUXPODS. Uh, do you see what I'm doing with this shit? I kind of have an idea of what I'm doing with this shit. Uh, but that's going to do it for this half of this episode. Again, my apologies for how long it took to get it out to you, but thank you for your patience, and thank you most of all for listening. If you could really do me a solid, it helps a lot if you rate and review the show on whatever platform you're on. Uh, some platforms do it per episode, which I, I'm not going to ask you to go that far or that in-depth if you don't want to. Also, interacting with social media posts, uh, LVX MediaNet is where everything is. Uh, it really helps, and uh, it helps me. I want to. I would love to get feedback from anybody. And uh, we're also on YouTube, kind of. It's just like a repackaged audio format with some like generic, uh, colorful video. I don't know the the distributor does that. But still, uh, I think that's going to do it because I don't have anyone else to ask if they want to plug shit. All right. I'll see you on the next one.